This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Well, this is it. This is what we've been waiting for all season. Mets, Braves for the NL East. Uh, welcome to Rico Bronia. Evan Roberts, nice round of applause for Pete Hoffman, who stepped up big after that dramatic New York Met victory, giving you a quality edition of Rico Bronia. As I may have explained on the air, I was sort of in the hospital, not me. Everything's okay, little family stuff in the hospital. And so I spoke to my wife. I said, hon, would it have been wrong for me to record Rico Bronia live from the hospital? And she said, yeah, probably not a good idea. So I'm back. I did watch the game from the hospital. And since the Mets won so dramatically, I clearly want to go back to the hospital because that's good luck for us. Uh, but either way, great job, Hoff. That was an unbelievable win. Uh, I, I think, am I going to call it the best win of the year? I think if they win the division and it leads to winning two out of three against Atlanta, or dare I say sweeping, we may look back at that game in a very similar fashion to the Esdrubal Cabrera game from 2016 where when you think of the pennant race the Mets were in at the end of the season in which they secured the top wildcard spot, the one game that really jumps out at you was that game against Philadelphia at City Field when Asdrubal Cabrera hit that pimping, bat-flipping, walk-off home run, and it was awesome. And it turned out to be like the defining win of the season. Obviously, there were other great wins throughout the season, but I think the negativity we were all feeling, we all felt it down 4 nothing. how pissed we all were, how mad we all were to come back, not with just a little tease, the Escobar two-run home run, which felt like a tease, but then for the bullpen to shut them down, to tie the game an inning later with Eduardo Escobar, and then win the game <laughs> two innings later with guess who, Eduardo Escobar. That was an incredible, incredible victory. And you know, I don't want to get too deep into the game, but one quick thought was when you're down 4 nothing, and you make it 4-2, to two, the most important inning is not letting them tack on because the night before, it's exactly what they did. Pete Alonso, it's a three-run home run. Right at right after that, Trevor Williams is giving up runs. So it's very important for the bullpen to shut the door. They did an excellent job, Drew Smith included. And so while we're not thrilled about a split against the Marlins, how can you be? And I think that that win features a lot of relief more than being squarely pumped up because you're just relieved you won that game. It turned out to be a great win. And with the help of the Washington Nationals, thank you, C.J. Abrams. Thank you, Luke Voigt. We are in the position that I know I wanted to be in, which is not that, hey, we only have to win a game. 
I don't go into this series saying just win a game, but that's the minimum, obviously being swept is a disaster and you could kiss the division goodbye, but winning a game at least sends you back to City Field with the division right in front of you. You win this series, you put a chokehold on the division. You sweep this series, we all party in Atlanta, Georgia. Now, we're going to preview this series, but let's get to the headline. And it's a headline I didn't see coming. It's a headline that Hoffman didn't see coming, but it's certainly something Pete was begging for. And at times we were all begging for. But I give you credit, Pete, because you were begging for it on a more consistent basis. And that headline is that according to Joel Sherman, and he's never wrong, Francisco Alvarez is being called up and activated for this roster, to this roster, going into this series against the Atlanta Braves. And according to Joel Sherman, he's going to get a chance to be the designated hitter against lefties. Pete, are you pumped? I mean, I'm almost speechless right now because why not wait till the end of the season to do this? I mean, six games left, perfect timing. Who cares? We're only in a freaking pennant race. Listen, I'll take it. Um, it's it's nerve-wracking because we've seen Vientos come up. We saw Beatty come up. Beatty had a nice, like, you know, cup of coffee, and then he got hurt. Okay, fine. Vientos had, like, a moment here or there. So Alvarez stepping up right now. I'm excited. I've been asking for this. Six games left, though. It's it's like a could you have waited any longer? You know? Yeah. Well, I you know what I think happened? And it's funny. We had Buck Showalter on the Thursday Carton Roberts show. And Buck didn't love necessarily maybe my tone about Darren Ruff, even though I think I'm representing every Met fan and representing Buck Showalter, whether he admits it or not, that we're done with him. That, no offense to him, and I certainly don't mean any because I wanted the guy, and I do understand what his career numbers say about what he does against lefties. I acknowledge that. So Buck thought I was being disrespectful to Darren Ruff. I'm not. I'm being very respectful of Darren Ruff. He's a good hitter against lefties. He has been terrible for two months. And the New York Mets, led by this manager, and I respect it, they've decided we can't play him anymore. That's what they've decided. And they've shown that over the last couple of days where his opportunities have basically gone away and Mark Vientos has gotten that opportunity. And while Vientos has shown something, especially over the weekend against Oakland, I don't think they love him. I don't think Buck loves him. Now, I thought a big reason why Buck didn't love him was the lack of position versatility. Alvarez is not bringing that. I, mean, I doubt Alvarez is going to catch. I don't think he'll ever catch. Uh, maybe in an emergency, maybe if they're pinch hitting for Nito or McCann a lot. I, but even then, I don't. I just don't. So I don't think Alvarez brings any kind of position versatility, but he brings the same position versatility Vientos does, which is he ain't going to play a position. But I think they look at Vientos, who's had, what is it, 30 plate appearances around now? And he's shown a pulse lately, but overall, obviously, the numbers aren't great. And I think they've said facing Max Freed on Friday night with the Braves having A.J. Minter in their bullpen and Tyler Matzik in their bullpen and Dylan Lee in their bullpen. Hey, like we're going to need right-handed bats. And why not? Why not? And I'll tell you this, this won't happen. 
if Alvarez gets an opportunity Friday and hits, I give him a freaking opportunity Saturday against the righty. I don't think Alvarez necessarily needs to just be a guy who only faces lefties. And it's not like Daniel Vogelbach's hit the crap out of the ball. But look, I, I get the frustration. Why now? I think the why now is they've given up on Darren Ruff. They have given Vientos somewhat of an opportunity. They want to see if there are other options because, Hoff, if Starling Marte is not walking through that door tomorrow and he isn't, they're really desperate for that bat. They really are. So I think a lot of it is, why not now? Let's see what we have with him. That's great. But, I mean, legitimately, you're going to have to give him. He's got the six games left of the season. If you're going to see what you have, you got to give him at least three three starts, at least three, well, maybe four. Probably not only because I don't think, even though I said I would, I don't think they're starting him against righties. I think he's going to start against Max Fried, who, by the way, is one of the better pitchers in baseball. What an opportunity. But (laughs) I would have to think he starts game one of this series. I can't see how not. By the way, I asked Buck who's starting against Max Fried. Of course, he didn't give me an answer. Yeah, because in the back of his mind, he's thinking, I'm not going to give these schmucks breaking news, which is that (laughs) it's going to be Alvarez. But but it's going to be Alvarez. It has to be. Like, you're going to call this guy up. You're facing one lefty in this weekend series. I have not looked ahead to who Washington's throwing, to be honest with you. Um, I have no idea. I, I can't tell you. I should look ahead. I haven't done that. I may have looked ahead a lot. <laughs> Josiah Gray will get one start because he pitched on, on Thursday, on uh, Wednesday. So oh, he'll, he'll be he'll be in there. I know that. And was is Corbin I think Corbin was on Tuesday. I feel like Corbin was Tuesday. I don't know why. Well, they, they Corbin, blown out. <laughs> Corbin's the only lefty in their rotation. So he would be the only lefty they face. So you're right. In theory, you're talking about two games against the lefty. Is that enough time? I, I think they have decided, rightfully so, not because of my berating, but because they knew Darren Ruff can't be on the postseason roster. Like the time is up for him. So while there may not be a lot of time to see about Francisco Alvarez and still see about Mark Vientos, I think they've decided that even though Darren Ruff can play first base in right field, he can't hit right now. And look, in in all seriousness, out of respect to him, Buck always likes to say there are a lot of things going on that you guys don't see. And I trust that. Maybe there's something they know about Darren Ruff where they don't think it's changing. So he's not going to be a postseason roster factor. But, man, this excites me because we have seen it before where guys don't play a lot in the major leagues, but they come up at the right time, and they make a big impact in October. And you look at this Brave team who the Mets are about to face. I know Vaughn Grissom has been slumping and isn't even playing that much anymore, but Michael Harris. Michael Harris was really, in a lot of ways, the thing that sparked this team. When you look back to when they called him up, and he was in double A. It's not like Michael Harris was tearing it up at AAA, and he's a hell of a player to the point now where he's hitting in the middle of this Atlanta order. So it's exciting about the possibilities. You just wonder how much can you show to your point, Hoff, in such a limited amount of time. But they're calling him up, and that's half the battle. And I certainly didn't see it coming over the last week or so, despite their lack of offense from the right side, despite the lack of production from a lot of their right-hand hitters. But – Great. I mean, how can we complain about this? Bring him up. Let's see what the guy's got. And I assume he better be, as I said, in the starting lineup on Friday in game one of this series against Max Free. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? 
And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Now, we were really ahead of our time because a month ago, when we were getting into the weeds about the Met rotation, I mapped out a scenario in which Jacob deGrom could be maneuvered to pitch the opener of the series against Atlanta. With the thought being, hey, I'm not a fan of it, but you could then line him up to pitch the final day of the regular season. A few Rico Bronias later, I said, ah, you know what? Buck's got it lined up even better than that. He's got Bassett lined up for game one, DeGrom for game two, Scherzer for game three. And if you want to win game 162, because maybe you need to, you've got Chris Bassett. All right. If you lose that game, you sacrifice him in game three of the wild card series, but at least you still have DeGrom and Scherzer. And we actually engaged, Pete, you may remember this, in a little debate. Would you pitch Jake in a game 162? And I can't believe Buck's actually doing this. Buck rejigged his rotation the way we sort of talked about a month ago. I was surprised by that too. Do you like that? Mm, No, I don't. I felt like it was in the perfect spot we were we were where we needed to be. Now, listen, I still think that they're going to win the division. So in the end, it doesn't really matter who pitches 162. So that's that optimistic uh, Pete Hoffman right now. But say, for example, it doesn't go that way. Um, we were talking about the playoffs of where we were going to go. I think I still want – I'm leaning towards I still would want the Grom to be for one or two. And if there was a – if they had to play the wild card. And that now that now you're saying it's not. Well, no, no, no. He could pitch game one or two of the wild card series if the Mets don't win this division. I, I think the, the question this creates, and Buck didn't commit to it, but he's certainly giving it an option. If the Mets lose two out of three in this series, and then they win Monday, they win Tuesday, the Braves win Monday, the Braves win Tuesday, the New York Mets would go into 162 needing a win to win the NL East. Magic number of one. They win their game against Washington final Wednesday of the season. They win the division. But if they lose and the Braves win, the Mets lose the division. They'll open the wild card series in two days. That's a, I I don't want to say it's a likely scenario. It's a very possible scenario. No question about it. Would you start 
Jacob DeGrom in that game. And the problem with it is that if you start him in that game and you lose, and it's baseball, so don't give me this, oh, but you lost to the Nationals. That's embarrassing. It's baseball. You can lose to anybody. Jacob DeGrom doesn't even have to have a bad day and you could lose that game. Maybe you don't hit. Maybe whoever you face that day, whether it's Josiah Gray or Eric Fetty or some schmuck from the minors we've never heard of, the Mets don't hit. And they lose the game. And now you have created a scenario where Jacob DeGrom may not pitch in the playoffs. You've done that because he's out of the wild card series. Yes, you have Scherzer. Yes, you have Bassett. Yes, you can win anyway. I'm not saying you can't. But I am saying that that risk, to me, is so, so risky. And I wouldn't do it. Would I do it with Chris Bassett? Sure. Would I do that with Jacob DeGrom? I don't think I would. Because you open up a possibility of not having Jacob DeGrom pitch a postseason game. That is literally a possibility you have. And by the way, I've acknowledged based on the tweets I've gotten about this when we talked about this a month ago, so I'm assuming the opinions are the same, that I'm in the minority, that people have the sense of, well, you have to treat that like a playoff game, so go win the division. Yeah, but you can lose it. And and that's not a loser's mentality. My winning mentality is I can pitch somebody else and beat the Washington Nationals. And then I've got Scherzer and DeGrom ready if I don't win that game in the wild card series, and if I do, it doesn't matter. You'd be ready for the divisional series anyway. Like, that's the thing. If you pitch game, Jake in 162, he'd still be ready for game one of the divisional series because it's Wednesday and game one would be the following Tuesday. But I don't love it. So I, I'm not saying this is going to make the difference between the Mets winning the division and not because I don't think it will. I don't think the order of who pitches this weekend is that big of a deal uh, unless Jake is just itching to get back out there because he sucked last week. Uh, or Bassett really does need an extra day or two because he's thrown so many innings. Those are things we don't really know. So it's not the order of this weekend. It's more, I don't see a scenario where I personally would pitch Jacob DeGrom at 162. I just wouldn't. All right, so so here's the dilemma that I'm kind of like trying to think in my head. Are they thinking that Jake needs an extra start before the playoffs? Is that part of the the, the philosophy? Or or Because here's my thing is, I think if 162... When it comes down to it, you do you start your p- best pitcher if you're desperate, if you need it? Okay, fine. But my position right now, the best pitcher versus the worst team, it's Max Scherzer followed by Chris Bassett. Bassett, not saying that he beat he beat up on bad pitching, only, uh, bad players, bad teams only, I should say, but he's consistent. You look at what he's done against any of these bad low-level teams, he dominates them. Well, look, I think... But but DeGrom, Bassett, or Scherzer are all great matchups against the Nationals because the Nationals are terrible, and those are the three best pitchers that we have. It's more, I'm not looking at that game. I'm looking at if you lose that game because baseball's baseball, not because I'm giving you a loser mentality, but because baseball's a funny game, and you lose that game and you open the playoffs 48 hours later, you've burned who's ever started that game. And I will say this. I correct myself because you actually said something and it sparked my brain on this. There is a scenario where DeGrom starts game 162. They've already won the division. And so that's a tune-up start. And that's not a big deal because you're not opening your postseason for five more days when the divisional series starts. I'm more talking about the possibility that you've got a wild card series that would start 48 hours later. So 
you may be right that Buck's view of this may not be to start him in game 162 because you need the division. He may look at it as, I just want him to make another start. And if we have the division wrapped up, which is the ideal scenario, he's going to pitch four innings. It's just a tune-up start, like a lot of starters have before their final start before the postseason. So that's a little different. I'm not thinking about it in those terms. I'm thinking about it in the terms of what if you need the game? And what if you may have to play Friday in the wild card series against what is clearly the San Diego Padres? I think that's become obvious with the way the Phillies are choking. They may not even make the playoffs at this point that if the Mets don't win the division or if you're a Brave fan and they don't win the division, you're likely matched up with the San Diego Padres in the first round, which is not easy when you look at that team. Juan Soto's getting hot. And you look at that rotation. You Darvish and Blake Snell and Joe Musgrove, like that's, that's a tough rotation. It's a part of why I want nothing to do with this wild card series. Now, I, I don't, for the record, agree with what Beningo has said to me on Saturdays, and he has said it many times before that on his podcast or wherever. No, not about Jacob DeGrom. We clearly disagree about that. That's obvious. Uh, but the idea that the Mets can't win this thing if they're the wild card team, they can. Now, will I be depressed? Will Hoff be depressed? Will we all be depressed that after leading this division all season long and having the division in front of you going into this weekend against Atlanta, where really a sweep would be the thing that keeps you from winning the division. Of course, we'd be pissed off and massively disappointed. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat that, but you play a best of three series against the Padres as dangerous as it is, you can win it. And then you can beat the Dodgers. And then you could be in the freaking World Series anyway. I acknowledge that. We all know that. We just don't want to deal with that right now especially when you have the division right in front of you. So it'll be fascinating to see how that final series is managed if those games matter. But look, the Mets have it in front of them where those final games may not matter. If the New York Mets win two out of three this weekend, forget the sweep. A sweep obviously clinches the NLEs goodbye. If the Mets win two out of three, they put themselves in a spot where all they've got to do is win a game. A game against the Washington Nationals. Not three games, not two games, a game. So winning two out of three, I don't want to say wins you the National League East, but wins you the National League East. I mean, it it does. As negative as we may be, I don't think they're getting swept by the Nationals, though I should bite my tongue before I say that. I guess that could happen, right? (laughs) Though, Mattingly has said, Hoff, Alcantara would pitch game 162 against the Braves if the game matters. So at least we'd be getting the help of Sandy Alcantara pitching game 162. Uh, th- thanks, Donnie. I really appreciate you going all the way out. Like maybe like skip a couple series when you're playing us. Like that, I, that's the one thing I can't stand. We, we, you, you know, you weren't on it last night, but the fact is going into yesterday, Marlins, Pirate, not Pirate, Pirates, Marlins, Cubs, and Nationals. They were one and six at home. I mean, that that hurt yeah. my feelings, dude. That yeah. hurt my feelings. That hurt my soul. Like, why why now do you have to step up? Why couldn't you it, step up like against other teams? It's crazy. When you look back at what's happened over the last month, really since the Dodger game, since the Mets won two out of three against, you know, the best team in all baseball, the Los Angeles Dodgers, they were gifted a fairly easy schedule. And they haven't taken advantage of it. Now, I know that road trip that we were just on was a positive, 
two out of three against Milwaukee. A disappointing two out of three against Oakland. But look, four to six on the road. But you're right. You know, they they made things look better by sweeping Pittsburgh, which was very necessary. But when you look at this stretch of games and you see losing two out of three to Washington, getting swept by the Chicago. Actually, there's some mixed in between that. Uh, losing two out of three to Washington, winning two out of three against the Pittsburgh Pirates against the Miami Marlins, but felt like that wasn't enough. Getting swept by the Chicago Cubs, sweeping the Pittsburgh Pirates, splitting with the Miami Marlins. There's a lot of wins left on the table. And so maybe we should feel almost lucky that the Braves lost as often as they did. I know that's a weird statement to make because they played so well uh, really since June 1st. But if you look at, all right, they split against the Phillies. Okay, they won four to six against Washington, which maybe we take as a victory because they didn't win all six against the Nationals. So the fact that all of that happened that we just described and we're going into the Atlanta series up one, we, I guess, for the first time got fortunate in terms of the way Atlanta played. But there's no doubt they left a lot of wins on the table. But I think it's also a reminder. The Mets have won 98 games this season. They're going to win more games than any of us have ever seen, unless you're over the age of 45 and you remember 88 and you remember 86. When you get your, when you get to that number, there's going to be games you lose. But when you get to that number in a runaway, you don't really care that much about the games you lose. But because the Atlanta Braves have had a great year too, almost microcosm of what the Mets have done record-wise, it just puts an emphasis on those bad losses. And I think what's also made it difficult is that those losses have occurred at home. The Mets have played well on the road during this final month. You know, they won two out of three against the Pirates. They won two out of three against the Marlins. They won two out of three against the Brewers. They won two out of three against the Oakland A's. Like, these duds that you just talked about, Pete, they were all at home. And we all watched it. And they all felt like very similar games in which the offense went to sleep. And while Eduardo Escobar changed the narrative with this huge September, at times this offense has felt overly reliant on Pete Alonso and Francisco Lindor. And when you look at what they did in the finale of this series against Miami, they didn't get much from Pete Alonso, including striking out on a slider five feet off the plate. They didn't get much from Francisco Lindor. But man, they certainly got something from Eduardo Escobar. That's for damn sure. All right, as far as this series is concerned, when Max Scherzer has faced the Atlanta Braves this season as a New York Met, he has made three starts, two of which have been in Atlanta. One was at City Field. He is three and oh. Max Scherzer is three for three against the Atlanta Braves this season, and his worst start he made was that wild 9-7 game that they won in which he gave up four runs in six and a third innings, but he's three for three. Chris Bassett has pitched really well against the Braves in both starts, one of which was a hard lock loss, one of which was a really good win back in July. And Jacob deGrom has a win against the Braves. That was his first start back, back at City Field, when he pitched into the sixth inning and made one mistake to Dansby Swanson. And then, boy, this is the game that haunts me to a degree. Because if they win this game, this whole race looks completely different right now. The finale against Atlanta, in that four-game series, I think it was the last time they've played them, August 18th, when Jake had that battling at-bat 
I think it was Vaughn Grissom, gave up the infield single. He got pulled for Seth Lugo, then base it up the middle. Guy scores from first because Brandon Nimmo's got a noodle arm, and then the Mets can't rally in the ninth inning when Francisco Lindor has literally stolen a base easily, slides in a second, Alonzo hits a pop-up. The whole thing's a mess. That was, in a lot of ways, their most frustrating loss of the season. And was that game on Jake? Not really. It was disappointing that Jake couldn't get that last out. I think it changed the whole game because, of course, you have to take him out. Unless Lugo comes in, and the whole thing was a mess. So you have three guys who have not only been, or for the most part, their three best starters, but you got three guys that have pitched well against the Atlanta Braves. The Mets have done a good job against Max Fried. Max Fried's one of the better pitchers in baseball. He's got a two and a half ERA. When you look at the way the Mets have faced him this year, how they've worked him, how they've gotten his pitch count up, how they've kind of scratched at him, they've done a decent job against him. Charlie Morton's all or nothing. I mean, he can dominate for six innings, strike out 14 guys, or you can knock his ass out of the second inning. Kyle Wright, they have faced twice. I think they've done a decent job against him. He's a 20-win guy, but a lot of that's sort of luck. A lot of that's, you know, getting run support. So I feel pretty good about these matchups. You have to. I think Jake and Freed are almost a wash, and that's not saying that Max Freed's as good as Jacob DeGrom. It's that Freed's had a great complete season, and DeGrom is facing his first struggle, really, in a very long time. Not just his last start against Oakland, but certainly that last inning against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Boy, Jacob DeGrom and the narrative around him, it is going to be altered by what happens Friday night. If he goes out there and dominates or pitches well, I think you forget about what happened against Oakland and people go back to, all right, Jake's back. If DeGrom struggles again, there's going to be a panic. There's going to be a, not that he isn't a big game pitcher. I don't think he's going to be redefined. I know 2015 is a long time ago, but I think he showed us what he can do in a big spot, but I get it's a long time ago. How many big games has he really pitched since then? Not his fault, but it's true. But how Jake pitches Friday is going to change our mentality one way or the other. He pitches great. Okay, Jake's back. He gets bombed. Uh Uh-oh. Something's wrong with him. I do like when looking at this matchup, I guess I would have liked Max on Sunday night as your, okay, things have gone wrong. Our last call to order is Max Scherzer to save us on Sunday. I know you don't think about that necessarily if you're a manager, but Max Scherzer in many ways is our most trusting guy. And so, and he's pitched really well against the Braves, not just this season, but in his career, having him as a, Breaking case of emergency guy Sunday night would have been a good feeling. But look, I think Buck has lined this up like it was the playoffs. That's the way he's done it. And I think that's the way uh, Brian Snitker's done it. It really is like a playoff series with the way this thing is lined up. And Atlanta altered their rotation, which they should. I have no problem with that. They know the value of this divisional race. Let's get our best three pitchers lined up to pitch. Spencer Strider would be up there. He's banged up. So obviously he's not pitching in this series. But they got their three guys lined up. We have our three guys lined up. Let's freaking go. That's what it comes down to. Let's go. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Uh, how's our confidence level? You feeling good, Pete? Or do you still have the disgusting feeling of what was happening against the Marlins in your mouth? Uh, see, that's the thing. I've like, I, It's weird. The Mets, to me, typically can't beat the easy teams. You play the Braves. You play these tougher teams. I feel very confident. I feel confident that we're going to win at least one game, which is not what we want to – Like, I'll accept one win, but I know we'll win at least one game over this this series. I'd like to, and that's a, I think that's a real possibility. Yeah, let's make this clear. We are not looking for the Mets to win one game. If the Mets win one game in this series, we will do a podcast Sunday night saying that was disappointing. <laughs> that was disappointing. We lost a series. Yes, the division is still in front of us. Yes, all you got to do is go beat the Nationals, but we'll sweat that out. I mean, that, that's the one thing. Winning the division will be a 162-game sweat if the Mets lose one of three because you put yourself in a spot where, okay, no margin for error. You can't lose a game against the Nationals. Go sweep them. And I know, well, that should be easy. They're the Nationals, but the Nationals took two out of three against the Mets uh, earlier this season or a month ago. And to the Nationals' credit, they won a game against the Braves in the back-to-back series they played against them. Sweeping is not easy, as bad as a team may look. Uh, you could also sit there and hope the Marlins help out. The Marlins look like they have a little bit of a pulse. And as I mentioned, Sandy Alcantara is going to pitch. But none of us want to rely on that. So if they win a game in this series, we are sitting here Sunday night disappointed. We are probably sitting here worried about, oh, God, we got to win all three freaking games. Oh, Jesus Christ. This is gonna be, uh, we're going to relitigate the DeGrom debate about game 162. It comes back. So winning one of three, especially when you got your three best pitchers on the mound, would be a massive disappointment. We need to be honest. If they win two out of three, driver's seat. And certainly it depends how you get there. Do you win the first two? Do you lose the first one and then win the next two? Like, Obviously, the emotions of how you get to winning two out of three would be interesting, but you win two out of three. Again, you need to win one game against the Nationals, and this thing is over. That's it. 
That's it. You win one game. You make Monday night a big night at City Field, where I would expect there to be a big crowd if they're about to clinch the division. I know there's been a lot said. We talked about this a while ago. I'm not going to relitigate the attendance at the end of the day. Who gives a crap? Um, but they're a win away from winning the division. The place will be packed. I'm not worried about that. There'll be a great atmosphere. You sweep? Oh, God. I tell you this, man. The New York Mets over the last, really, 2015, 2016, and now have not had clinches at home, if you think about that. They clinched the playoff spot this year. It happened in Milwaukee. When they won the uh, wild card in 2016, it was on the road. It was in Philadelphia. When they won the National League pennant in 2015, it was on the road. It was in Chicago. When they won the Divisional Series in 2015, it was on the road. It was in L.A. When they won the division in 2015, it was on the road. It was in Cincinnati. You see what I'm saying? Oh, by the way, you want to go back further? Okay, cool. In 2006, when they won the divisional series, it was in LA. You have to go all the way back to winning the division in 2006. Mets, Marlins, Cliff Floyd made the catch in left field. Billy Wagner's happy. yippity doo da. Fun night, no doubt. Fun night. That's the last time we as fans had a clinching celebration at City Field, okay? With that said, I will gladly give up a clinching celebration at City Field. I say you can have it if it means it happens in Atlanta. Let me tell you something. That can happen on the road. While I would love to share that experience with my son and my father. Oh, we were at City Field Monday night against the Nationals. Okay, that's cute. I'd love that. But you know what I'd love more? Winning the division in Atlanta. I'll wake up my son. He'll watch it with me. But to dance in Atlanta, Georgia. After all of the awful memories that franchise has given us over the years. Oh, that'd be worth it. So I'm sorry. I apologize. If you want to be there for a clinching game Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, my ass, we clinched this crap in Atlanta. And the only way to do that is by sweeping them. I will go on record and tell you, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I'm sorry. Listen, I, I I agree with you. I don't care where it happens, when it happens. I just want it to happen. You can pop the champagne wherever you are. So that's all that freaking matters. Um, I, I agree with you. Don't think it's going to happen. But I do, again, confidence level, definitely taking one. At least one game. And that, again, we talked about this earlier. Everyone's saying this This team is coll- – this was a collapse. They they have the, the chance of a lifetime. They should have beat up all these teams. But we said over and over and over, it's going to come down to the series. And if we were in a position where we had a one-game lead, that's all we wanted. We got that. It's going to come to 162. That's not being negative. That's being transparent. It's being honest with myself. That's what the Mets do, 162. But I'm still confident the Mets are going to win the division. If you think it comes down to 162, which I respect, I think it means you think they're going to lose two out of three, though. Because I don't think, I know it would be very fitting of the Mets, to win two out of three and then come home and lose Monday and Tuesday against the Nationals just to make things dicey and make things interesting. But I don't know. I I don't necessarily think that's going to happen. But one thing that has happened with Atlanta 
and, and they're not choking by any stretch. They're not choking. The Mets aren't choking. Is that the Atlanta Braves really since I'd say Labor Day and that West Coast trip, they've been a normal baseball team. They have been a team that bleeds, a team that will lose every once in a while. And it really started with losing those two to Seattle and losing two out of three to San Francisco. All of a sudden, the Atlanta Braves lost five out of six. And yeah, they swept the Philadelphia Phillies and we all got pissed off. But then the Nationals took a game from them. Then the Phillies took two games from them. Then the Nationals took a game from them. It's not as if they're struggling. Like if I add it up, let's see, 0-3, 1-3, 1-4, 4-4, 5-6-4, 6-7, 10-6, 10-7, 10-7, 10-7, 10-7, 10-7, 10-7, 10-7, 10-7, 10-7, 10-7, 10-7, 10-7, 10-7
I don't think the Atlanta Braves are going to the playoffs and losing anytime soon. So I think that this battle could be the first of many between the Mets and the Atlanta Braves that they aren't lined up to face each other in any kind of divisional series. It was the opposite of what happened last year with the Dodgers and Giants where they had the epic pennant race and then they were actually lined up. They played each other in the divisional series because the Giants had the best record, the whole thing. That's not the case here. If the Mets and Braves play each other in the postseason, it would be in the National League Championship Series, which means somebody would have to take down the L.A. Dodgers. And guess what? Both teams can. So maybe I'm being hopeful here, but I think this weekend is a preview. I really do. I think much like 1999, this may come down to it all, the New York Mets and the Atlanta Braves. And it's not a knock on the L.A. Dodgers, but as we've seen in years past, they can get beat. and They can get beat early as the Nationals showed you in 2019. I don't know what the hell's going to happen this weekend. I know I should offer a prediction. Uh, I got to stay true to myself and be negative. They'll lose two out of three. And we'll have to sweat this out next week. I freaking like, I don't know what the hell's going to happen. I told you, 162. You're telling me, yeah, it sucks. But but listen, we you're, it's not being negative. It's being, listen, and, and, and Ev, you and I, I'm not saying that we are the same type of Mets fan, but you talk to me to tell, tell me how off-base I am. We are as positive as we've been in a long time with this franchise, but there's still that pit in our stomach that we felt over and over and over, so we can't just dive in headfirst and go, you know what, this team's going to win it all. I feel confident. Every series, we're always going to win. We can't do that because we have that little negativity, so keep it a little real, keep it a little safe, because we've seen what's happened in the past. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's a little bit of that. I think it's also a little bit of we can see what the downfall of this team would be, which is this lineup just sleepwalking outside of the two monsters, Alonzo and Lindor, and Escobar too, that there's a lot of dead weight at times in this lineup, that Vogelbach has struggled a lot, that not Mark Hanna hasn't really struggled. He gets on base all the time, but that there's a lot of spots in this order that can go real cold. And so maybe it's kind of seeing how things can go bad, even with a top-of-the-line rotation that features, according to The Athletic, according to The Athletic's poll of Major League Baseball players, the two guys you would want to start Game 7 of the World Series is Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer. How about that, by the way? Is that what the poll? I don't have The Athletic, so I saw the poll. I went to go click on it, and I couldn't see crap because I don't have the – so it's Scherzer and DeGrom, too. Now, I heard Harper wasn't even on the list of the guys who won up at the plate. Is that true? Yeah. So there was a, there was a bunch of weird stuff. Um, we made a big deal of the fact that Garrett Cole was never mentioned as a guy that you'd want to pitch game seven. Uh, it was DeGrom one, Scherzer two, uh, Justin Verlander three. I forget after that, but like all the guys who got multiple votes were mentioned. Dylan Cease, Shane McClanahan, Hugh Darvish, Walker Mueller, who doesn't even have a shoulder anymore. And Gary Cole was never mentioned. I give you one Met note. Who would you want up bottom of the ninth game seven of the World Series? And Aaron Judge won as he should. He's had an amazing year. Paul Goldschmidt was second. There was only one Met mention. Who was the Met? Francisco Lindor. It was not Francisco Lindor. Jeff McNeil? Jeff McNeil. I don't think that's a crazy answer. <laughs> I I know, by the way, McNeil, when he pops up in the eighth inning, we're all thinking a little differently. But for the most part, he is kind of the guy you want up. 
But that's so. the but that's the thing is, and I don't want to go into get into a huge debate over it because we always talk about batting average on base percentage stuff like that. The guy bats three twenty. His on base isn't as as high as you like it to be, but he puts the barrel on the ball, and that to me is such a key piece to today's game that a lot of players are missing. Yeah, he's a tough out, man. That's the bottom line. He's a tough out, and the guy you want on the mound in the ninth inning of Game Seven is Edwin Diaz, and it was a blowout. So. You should feel good that, according to baseball players, the guy they won starting Game 7 is DeGrom, followed by Scherzer, and the guy they want pitching the ninth is Edwin Diaz. This should be a very, very interesting weekend. We'll obviously give you a pod on Sunday after the series is over, but we may mix in some instant reactions as it goes on. Friday night's game, maybe Saturday's game. We'll see. Be how I feel. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. It's, how, how I, it's not because of wins or losses. I swear to God, it has nothing to do with if they win or if they lose. It's more, do I want to go upstairs and talk about this right now, or I just want to go to sleep? That's really what it comes down to. But I'll, I'll be honest about it, and we'll keep you posted. Either way, you know you will get a Rico Bronia following this series' conclusion on Sunday night. No matter how late it is, we will definitely get it in. So deep breath, everybody. Enjoy it. This is what baseball's all about. And happy Francisco Alvarez Day as he's coming. Thanks for listening to Rico Brogan. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Brogan podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. 